Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on their journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. I want to kick this one off with a completely irrelevant story, as I am wont to do. And that story begins at Bauhaus, which, if you don't know it, is the German Lowe's, basically. And I was there to buy storage containers because the basement in my apartment is too moist and I need to put everything that I want to put in storage in an airtight container. I had been putting off buying them. But one day I impulsively on my way home pulled over, went into the store, bought multiple containers and then got outside and was like, wait, how do I get them home? And I was like, you already came this far. You can do it. So I, I came up with this bizarre system where they were kind of balancing on my bike and I had to kind of bend halfway over at a weird angle and then walk in a sort of shuffle. (laughs) But then it worked. It worked really well. Uncomfortably, perhaps, but effectively. And my plan was to just walk the last kilometer or whatever it is home like that. And I made it, I don't know, maybe five minutes into this walk, which, you know, it was probably going to be a 30 minute endeavor given the way that I was walking. And all of a sudden I hear, where are you headed? but in German. And I look over and there's an old German man riding a bike that has a sort of chariot style storage unit between his handlebars and his front wheel. And you see these around Germany sometimes. Sometimes people put their kids in them. Sometimes it's built that way for different um, like bike delivery systems, what have you. But his was just empty. And guess what? It just happened to be the exact size of the storage containers I bought. So we loaded it up. He said, lead the way and uh, biked us to my apartment. And he unloaded them into the driveway. I was so overwhelmed with how kind and helpful this was that I, I my German was just dysfunctional. I was just I was just stuttering and I think I managed to be like, "Do you like beer? Can I give you a beer?" And he just was like, "What? N- no. Have a good day. Bye." <laughs> and then he biked off and that was my hero. And thinking back on that story just makes me really really happy and is such a good memory that people just look out for each other sometimes. Okay, not always. There's definitely a lot of moments where people are not being very neighborly and kind, but There's also a lot of times, and I find especially in Germany, a lot of times where strangers will go out of their way to look after you and help you. And I was so grateful to him for saving me a lot of awkward shuffling down a somewhat busy path. So shout out to that guy. (laughs) Now that I got my random story out of the way, on to the matter at hand, which is my interview with Katya Vlakos. Katya is a published author, she's a life coach, she's a lifelong expat, and she is super freaking cool. (laughs) And we're here to talk about something really not so fun and uncomfortable, which is divorce and getting divorced when you are an expat and you're in a foreign country. That's not the easiest topic to take on, but Katya shared her experience with it as well as everything that she's learned both about divorce and beyond. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. So my name is Katja Vlachos. I was born in Cameroon, Africa, but my parents were both Greek, and I grew up in Greece. So um, 
Greece is my passport country, but I left that country 25 years ago. And right now I live in Zurich, Switzerland. I've been in Zurich since uh, 2012, so it will be eight years this summer. Okay, so I want to hear the rundown of where you've been between Greece and Zurich. I left Greece to go to graduate school in the U.S., so I was uh, 24, so I moved to uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. I was there for a couple of years. I met my future husband there. We decided we both always wanted to live in Paris, so we moved to Paris. After we graduated, I uh, lived there for a year and a half. Uh, it wasn't as dreamy as we expected it. <laughs> and uh, we decided to move to L.A., where I did my uh, PhD degree, so we were there for three years. Then back to Europe, to Austria. Well, actually, I, I, I was in, in the Netherlands for four months before that. Then Vienna, Austria for 11 years. Had all three of our kids there. And um, then we moved to Zurich, as I said, in 2012. When you met your husband, it's, you met in Massachusetts. Is he American? So my, my ex-husband now, he's, uh, he's Austrian. He was in graduate school with me, so he was a year ahead of me. Cool. Okay, so as soon as you met him, it must have been clear to both of you that, you know, your, your life was going to be an international one. It couldn't have been a huge surprise that you, you have ended up moving around to a couple different countries. Our, our backgrounds were both relatively mobile. I mean, his was probably even more than mine because his father was a diplomat. So they had moved a few times. So he was not attached to, to Austria or, or to any other place necessarily. And I knew since I was a kid that I wasn't going to live in Greece. So, um, yeah, so I think our, our goals or our views of, of life overlap there. So it was, it was just a question of where. Yeah, and so we chose Paris. Yeah, it's kind of fun that you just had the same location dream and, and you went for it. And also... Yeah, I mean, Paris, I need not say anymore. It is, I think, the dream city for so many people. So it's funny to hear that it really didn't end up being that way. Well, you know, it was Paris, but many, many years ago. It's, it's again, when I want to talk about how people uh, adapt to, to expat life, you know, so differently. Expectations have, you know, have a lot to do with that. Actually, expectations are even more important than what you find, you know, what the location brings into the game. So I think it's just our expectations didn't really match the reality. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a disaster by any means, but I think we weren't heartbroken that we left after a year and a half. Let's yeah. put it that way. We, you know, there were parts of Paris we enjoyed a lot and other parts that were extremely frustrating. And, and the city has changed a lot because it's a city I keep going back to. And then you went from Paris to LA, is that right? Right. So we, we got married right before we left Paris and then moved to LA. Okay, so this is fun. So you have two people from two different countries that met in a third country, got married in a fourth. <laughs> yeah, not, went... not, not so unusual yeah. <laughs> for experts. Um, L.A., I mean, this is a slight detour, but L.A. is just such a specific place. And I'm just curious to hear what your experience was of the culture there. Right. So we, we went to L.A. because I got this Ph.D. fellowship. So I was the one leading the move. And my then husband just got a transfer. He was a management consultant, so for a big global company. So he got a transfer there, and and we were actually living 15 minutes from the beach, like next to Santa Monica. I think so. It was a really, really beautiful setting. My office was on the beach, and 
it, it was just, I, I loved my life there. I loved what I was doing also, but I also just loved being close to the, close to the ocean and I loved the weather. <laughs> it's, it's pretty spectacular. So my experience of LA is extremely positive. Like I know not everybody has the same image, but for me, it's, it's one of the places I call home and, and there's not that many. And it's also the only place I would go back tomorrow. I would move there tomorrow if I could. Wow. Well, okay. So this begs the question then. Those things that you listed about LA are not to be found in Austria and Vienna, where you then went to. <laughs> so how did yep. that happen? <laughs> so you're, you're very, yeah, you're very perceptive. Um, no, they're, they're, they're not to be found in Vienna, Austria, and definitely not in Vienna, Austria of 19 years ago so it was it was a big shock moving there um it wasn't necessarily a, it wasn't a move i was ready to make or willing to make uh so there was a lot of resistance and then there was of course the huge difference from eternal summer and and the ocean at, at my doorstep to a landlocked country uh, where the winters are relatively heavy and i come from mediterranean culture and country so that's that's not really something i appreciate and the people were just very different than relaxed California crowds. <laughs> so it was it was a big adjustment. I mean, that that's a move that really did not go well for me, um, and it took me a really long time to to adapt to it. And it also put a lot of strain on my relationship with my then husband. Did you guys move for his job? Uh, well, it was it was partly you know, the economic situation, but also uh, partly being close to family. So it was a mix of reasons. It's just like I was not, I didn't see those reasons as convincing enough to move. Right. And this is where you then started your family too. So I guess that makes sense in in some way, right? If you're going to take this next step and start your own family, it's nice to have one partner or the other's family nearby to, to help out. Well, that's that's true. Well, it's it's more complicated than that. My my ex husband had at the time before we had kids uh, already had a daughter, and and her mother was was gonna be in Austria. She was gonna move back to Austria from somewhere else, and and so he also wanted to be close to her. But yeah, I mean, it, it definitely makes sense to be closer to family. It was really far for me as well. I mean, LA is really the other end of the world from from Greece, where my parents were living. So it was it was nice to be closer to them, and I, I know they were extremely happy to have us nearer. And and also it was right before September 11. I mean we we had no idea obviously, but after that things became more complicated for a bit. So the timing wasn't bad. I think it was more the the mindset, which makes a world of difference. I mean exactly what you were saying earlier about your expectations. Your expectations for Paris were this one big beautiful romantic thing that that maybe wasn't exactly accurate but then your expectations for for Austria were something totally different and yeah it's a hard adjustment yeah well you know you 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 can adapt to the toughest conditions if you really are committed to making it work and if you have a positive attitude and I I totally didn't have that I didn't I was more like drag kicking and screaming and therefore I I did not make an effort to adjust. I did not make an effort to figure out what to do professionally. I mean, I, I had a really nice career back in LA and I felt like moving to Austria was effectively the end of that because there wasn't much going on in my field. I was a military analyst and I was moving to a, to a neutral country. You know, the prospects weren't good, but I also um, didn't really commit to making the move a success. 
And you're saying this now, what, 18, 19 years later, but was this something that you were aware of as it was happening too? Like if we rewind to 2001, 2002, were you aware and working on the fact that you were really resisting this move or is this something that you've come to have perspective on later? God, no, I had no idea. I had no <laughs> idea. I, I was just, I was just mad. I was just angry and, and resisting, but I, 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 I didn't have enough introspection at the time to grasp that I was more feeling like a victim and feeling like, you know, this was not my choice and I don't want to be here. And it took me a long time to get out of that. And, and I must say, it really didn't help me at all to stay in that mindset for so long, which is, you know, um, part of the work I do now as a coach is helping people not get stuck in that mindset, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, not everybody has to go through the, the long and painful process of realizing by yourself that you're, you're only hurting yourself. I know that you moved in 2001 to Vienna and in 2012 to Zurich. Somewhere between these dates, you had three kids and somewhere along the way, you got divorced. So um, walk me through how these various points of your biography, how they played out, what happened when, and then we can dive into what that was like. Right. So um, I, I alluded a little bit the professional aspect of this, you know, moving to Vienna was not terribly exciting or, or helpful professionally. And it also coincided with, you know, my early 30s when you start to think about having a family. And I, I always knew I wanted to have a family. So it's kind of an unfortunate timing uh, coincidence uh, because I started having a family and then my, my career also went kind of down the drain there. So um, I had my first two kids. I mean, I was still working, but I, I wasn't terribly excited with what I was doing. And I was still working. I mean, I was working for the defense ministry in Austria. And somewhere along the way, through a conversation with a friend about my experience as an expat, I, I realized that I wanted to write a book about this. And being a researcher, you know, I started doing research about how people make moves, how they adjust uh, when they make international moves. What is it that makes a difference? You know, what helps, what doesn't help? And I was I was still working for the defense ministry. But when I got pregnant with my third child, so a while later, I used my maternity leave to, to work on the book. And I realized that was really where my passion lies and and how I wanted to use this book to help people you know people like me struggle less than I did so that that became very clear during that maternity leave and I you know I essentially never went back to my old uh, defense related job and then you know finished the book got it published and and switched careers completely and then also did my coaching training the divorce actually came in Zurich so we had already moved this was a move for my my then husband's job uh, which of course I welcomed because again you know Vienna and I didn't have a very good uh, relationship despite <laughs> the 11 years and three kids so I was more than happy to move and there you know I was more than happy to make the move success funny enough and and it went so much better than the move to Vienna so you know motivation mindset is is huge and then Three years into our life here in Zurich, we decided to separate. And so we went through the divorce process, you know, under the Swiss legal framework. So that was 2015. Okay, yeah. So let's start with that. I, I, I listed off your, your fun list of countries earlier on, but now we've got another country to add to the list, which is Switzerland. And 
now another big event is happening the divorce and that is a that is a legal procedure and so what was that like did the fact that you were married in france play into things at all um how did this sort of the logistics of your expat life play into that divorce process right right so that's always well like one of the parts that are always complicated when when experts divorce and you know when they get married in one country they live in another one and they divorce in another one um in our case we actually got married in greece but because we both were residents in switzerland we were under the swiss jurisdiction so but that took some figuring out right and it's not as clear as it was for us for for other families so that's one of the big complications the other one i had to figure out the legal framework i had to figure out what my rights were i speak fluent german but it's one thing to you know go to the bakery in the supermarket and another thing to read legal documents and terminology and all that so that was uh that was interesting to say the least and figuring out you know how to get a lawyer and uh, we went through mediation so figuring out that process as well i mean for my ex-husband it was a little easier because he was um, he's a native speaker but for me it was it was a bit more of a learning curve you know uh, and of course you know all the normal complications of or complications yeah complexity of of divorce you know the documentation all you know the the requirements and all that plus the language barrier plus you know working working in that language because you know my my lawyer she spoke some english but if you want to get things done if you want to connect with people it helps if you speak their language so i don't think it would have been the same experience had i spoken english with her as fluent as she is right so i i had to do all that in german and and of course there's the you know there's also the the issue of of support system as an expat you know divorces are already already a very challenging process to go through as an expat you you know you don't necessarily have your family or close friends around you in our case we were already there for three years so i had some friends but again it's these are tough issues to discuss with people you know it's a, it's a little isolating yeah and I think with something like that the three years that you were there you know those people met you and your ex-husband at a certain phase of both of your lives and your shared life and when you're going through something like a divorce it's so you know it's not about just talking to anyone and having the support from anyone but it's often so helpful to have the support from someone who's seen you through that whole way and can understand more of your history because they were a part of it or at least heard about it and that's the hard thing you can't invent that and even if you have the best friends in the world in Zurich they didn't know LA Katya they didn't know the Vienna era you know yeah yeah that's absolutely right that's because because you know the people you meet they meet they see what they see in front of them but they don't necessarily have all the history and that's yeah I mean that's classic expert story right I mean it, it takes a while until people are updated on on the your whole journey and if you're an introvert it takes even longer which i am so 3 years is you know is not a very long time yeah. <laughs> and for you you were already in Zurich and you had your kids there you had your career there as well did you ever have a moment when you were going through divorce where you thought should i even stay here because especially with doing all of that in german it's got to be so so stressful and isolating, like you said, and I could totally see someone getting to the point of just being like, actually, forget it all. I'm out of here. <laughs> as soon as I send the paperwork, I'm buying myself a plane ticket and starting over anew. 
Well, there was not really an option because in Switzerland and I suspect in, in you know, increasingly in a lot of other places, uh, there's a default uh, joint custody. So in order to be able to move anywhere, I need approval. I need the permission from my children's father. So in my case, I wasn't even thinking about moving because unless he would move or he would agree to do that. I was lucky enough that I was very happy in, in Zurich, so I, I wasn't looking to move. And also I was very conscious of the fact that, that the kids were going through a big change and I didn't want to impose more changes on them because divorce, you know, you know your family is, is totally different suddenly. Uh, moving countries or even moving homes, like I also tried not to move house for a while because I wanted, just wanted to minimize the, all the, the changes in their lives. But again, as I said, I was fortunate enough to be happy where I was, which, you know, I, I know people where this is not the case. Or I know people who, when they divorce, they suddenly lose their residence permits and have to move. Wow. Or you know, where the partner, the ex-partner decides to move and, and suddenly you're, you're there without a permit. So whether you like it or not, you have to go somewhere. If you're lucky, you have a home country, but many expats there, there isn't one like they're not able to return anywhere so where do you go I mean there's there's a lot of questions like that that are, that are extremely challenging so you did have your Vienna era of sort of disliking and pushing against your location so even though you were happy in Zurich did you always know that you were happy in Zurich did you experience any clarity around that life through this divorce trying to think I don't think the divorce made a difference in how much I felt at home in Zurich. I think it was more the difference between the two moves, the Vienna one and the Zurich one, that, that helped me realize what I was doing wrong, <laughs> or what I was doing that was not helpful to me, which was the victim mentality versus the you know empowered mentality of, you know what, this is my choice and I'm going to make this work. You had a very good grounded situation to move through this not so grounded situation of divorce on. That said, this is not a process I would recommend to anyone. I mean, it's really, really tough. And it's even tougher when you're away from, from your family and, and, and really close friends. On the other hand, I often work with people as expats who are going through relationship challenges or divorce. Mindset, again, plays a big role. Seeing, you know, what are my choices rather than I have no choice, I'm a victim, you know, how am I going to do this? It's more like, okay, what are the areas where I do have a choice and what do I make out of that? And, you know, where do I want to be at the end of this process? Really working on positive thoughts. It sounds a little cliche, but it, it really makes huge difference. I'll throw in that for me, maybe part of that question about clarity is coming from my own perspective, because that is how it felt for me is I moved abroad for a relationship. And then that ended. And I was, I didn't even realize until a couple weeks or months into the breakup that I was like, Oh, I guess I could have moved literally anywhere in the world at this point, because the initial reason for moving here is not ongoing anymore. But it didn't even occur to me because I was just so busy enjoying the rest of my life. And it made me so clear about the fact that I was I was there for me. And I think a lot of times in, in cross-cultural relationships and expat lives, people make sacrifices for the betterment of the couple. And it's hard to parse out to what extent that choice was for the other person or for the good of the, the partnership or if it was also for you. And so in suddenly being single abroad, I was like, oh, no, I'm here for me. We're good. Keep on going. 
Exactly. That's that's huge. What you're saying is huge, and and that's again. I mean, so you you basically made the choice to stay there, and and you know you were conscious of that. And what you say is so true. Um, I often advise people, you know, please don't move unless both of you really, you know, are committed to the move and and want to make the move for your own reasons. Don't move for the other person because that can will actually not can it will inevitably lead to frustration or resentment you know intentions uh when things start to go wrong which you know inevitably you know some things will go wrong not everybody not everything is gonna happen the way you want it so it really helps to be conscious of the choice you're making for yourself is that something that you wish that you had known back then? Or if I could, if I could rewind the clock to, uh, you pick the, the year, the moment, um, what would you want to tell yourself in the past, having now been through it and, and you're on the other side of it? So back in 2001, I would not have moved. Rather than, than move without wanting to move, I, would, I just wouldn't have moved. Because I, at that time, I, I couldn't see how I was going to make it work. So, you know, rather than be miserable, feel like a victim, damage my marriage... I would have rather told myself, you know what, just <laughs> stay here, find some other arrangement, just don't do it. And if, if there was no other way, because I know for other families, you're being sent somewhere. You're, you don't necessarily always have a choice whether you go or not. If I didn't have a choice, I would have told myself, okay, you know what, how are you going to make this work? Because just going there, kicking and screaming is not going to help. Right. Well, and even if you make the choice freely and willingly, and then realize it's not working for you and it was maybe the wrong choice, well, you still made it. So if you can make a different decision, then go ahead and make it. But if you can't, if it's too late for that, then yeah, then what else can you do? You have to start looking at the other options that can improve your current situation because that's where you are no matter how you got there. (laughs) Right. And you always have a choice. You know, you always have a choice, big or small, and, and just look for the choices. Don't look for the barriers. In all of your work with other expats who are going through relationship struggles or even divorce, what are some things that you've learned through this work, a perspective that you wouldn't have had just having gone through it yourself? Because now you have a sort of a more of a bird's eye view additionally through this work that you've done. So it seems like one is definitely this idea of choice and this idea of mindset and willingness. Yeah, yeah, that's that's been huge. But that was kind of <laughs> the kind of realization you get when you really reach the lowest point (laughs) kind of going through the struggle and then coming out on the other side I've done quite a bit of research and work with people going through a relationship breakdown and there I've seen that my version of divorce is the rather privileged one or or fortunate one if you want to say because speaking the language having a relatively amicable divorce having the resources to get the the support I needed you know legal psychological whatever it is but I I really got a lot of perspective on how different situations can be and also how limited resources are available out there for expats going through divorce. So I've found through doing the podcast that there's a growing number of mental and psychological support for expats going through different situations. Are there also expat-specific divorce lawyers, for instance? So I can I can tell you what I found here and I know from an expert organization I'm, I am part of called Families in Global Transition or FIGT. One of the, the there's there's a big international uh, law firm based in the UK that's that's 
dealing a lot with, with these kinds of divorces. They have a lot of experience and they have a big network uh, in different countries. So I often refer people to them if they, you know, they don't live here in Switzerland, I can't help them. I will always put them in touch and they will know somebody, I don't know, in Greece or in France or wherever needed. So here in Switzerland, in, in my case, I looked for somebody who had an international experience or who mentioned, I mean, I didn't know any lawyers personally, so I, I did research and, you know, I found a law firm where they mentioned having experience with international divorces. But again, I can't, I can't tell you about other countries. I think it's essential though for somebody who's in a similar situation living in many different countries or getting married somewhere and living somewhere else or having children in, you know, in, Three different countries, for example, not uncommon mm-hmm. at all. So uh, I think it's it's essential that they find somebody who can advise them on those different jurisdictions, or even if they can't, like you know, in my case, for example, my lawyer knew somebody who was familiar with uh, I don't know the Austrian jurisdiction or the Greek one. So at least somebody who has a network, because there's a lot of issues that will come up that that are not specific to to one country. So you need somebody who's agile, knowledgeable, able to to move around those different legal frameworks. Yes, that's wonderful. Yeah, I think even just knowing that that is something that can and should be prioritized when looking for a divorce lawyer is already a huge first step. So, you know, we'll link to the one organization that you mentioned in the show notes. But again, if, if yes, that doesn't yes. apply to whoever's listening who might be thinking, "Ooh, that might be something I need, now at least they know, okay. I can and should research and prioritize this. Yeah, and I wanted to say that law firm is called the International Family Law Group, IFLG. They're based in, uh, in London and definitely let's provide the link because they're, they're doing wonderful work and they have a pretty extensive network within Europe for sure. To wrap it off, let's just talk a little bit about how life's looking today. So this all happened about five years ago. I'm sure, give or take, I'm sure these things don't happen <laughs> overnight. So it's an ongoing process, but... But it's one you've now been through, right? And and how are things today? How are how's life? <laughs> um, well, life COVID accepted. Um, <laughs> life is really good. I mean, I, I didn't mention I actually remarried a couple of years ago, and my husband is commuting or was commuting between Boston and Zurich. Now he's here wow. for a while, quite a at least. Um, <laughs> No, but life is good. And that's, that's again, one thing that I, I try to tell people is that there is light at the end of the tunnel and there is life after divorce. You know, you just, you just need to, to take care of yourself enough during the process to be able to get to the other side and not be completely depleted, but it's never too late to start over. You just gave me a little chills, so I think that means it's a perfect note to, to end on. So I'm going to transition us then hey. to, to our ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. It's a rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you're going to answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Are you ready? All right. Yes. Okay. What is your ultimate happy song? So the song where you put it on and your mood is instantly elevated and you're like tapping your fingers, moving your body. What's that song for you? (laughs) Uh, Can't Stop the Feeling, Justin Timberlake. Oh, that's such a good one. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um. We are recording, you know, what is this now? End of May 2020, which means we are in a very strange time in the world with the COVID-19 pandemic. And for a while, things were shut down and people couldn't go to restaurants or cafes. So 
I don't know if you've already had your first outing or not, but what was the restaurant or cafe, what have you, that you were dreaming of when it was off limits? Uh, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't dreaming of a restaurant, honestly. You know, for me, it was more important, you know, being with people. So, for example, I'm, I'm missing my mother terribly, who lives in Athens, and I don't know when I'm going to be able to see her. So I was missing more people than, than restaurants. Remember, I'm an introvert. <laughs> you know, my, my, my best friend here is an extrovert. Like, he was ecstatic when they opened the restaurants. But for me, it really was not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the final question, I know that you do yoga. Where is your favorite spot to do yoga? I have a yoga studio like three minutes from my place. It's my favorite teacher. Carl teaches there. He's amazing. And now he does his classes online. And I just love it. And now my favorite spot for yoga at this time is on my deck when it's beautiful like today. And I put my yoga mat down there with my, my husband. And we have Carl. We live stream Carl and, and do our yoga class. Oh, that sounds lovely in its own way. Right, you make the most of it, right? Exactly, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking. And if people want to find you and connect with you, follow your journey, where can they find you? So first of all, thank you for having me. This has been this has been fun. If people want to find me, my website is www.katiavlahosoneword.com. Um, you can see, you can find my, my social media handles there or just look me up on LinkedIn and connect. But everything else is on the website, you know, my coaching, the, my book that I published in 2018, two years ago. So it's all there. Do you want to tell us real fast? So tell us a little bit about what, what your coaching is and what your book is. The book is called The Great Move, Surviving and Thriving in Your Expert Assignment. And it's basically everything you need to know before you make a move from decision to planning and preparing to making the move and to settling into the new place. And it's, you know, both the principles you always need to keep in mind and the strategies for making the move work. So it's both, you know, kind of an emotional level, but also the practical level. My coaching is, I work with mostly with experts going through different kinds of transitions. So, you know, other people contemplating or making a move or, or settling in after a move, or it can be people who are reinventing their careers or thinking about career change, again, related to the expat lifestyle, to a mobile lifestyle, or people going through a relationship challenges while abroad, separation or divorce. I'm going to link to all of the things we just mentioned in the show notes so people can find you easily. And of course, if you're following the expat cast on social media, I'll be tagging you in all of it. Thank you one more time for taking the time out of your day and doing this. This was wonderful. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's been wonderful indeed. Links to Katya's website, her book, her coaching service are all found in the show notes, as well as the resources she mentioned for anyone who's going through a divorce abroad. Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed making it, which in this case was quite a lot. If you liked this episode, you can tell me that by leaving a rating and or review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or your podcast app of choice. Because I do this podcast completely DIY and I'm not throwing a bunch of money into marketing, that's the number one thing you can do to help me out to help grow this podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at The Expat Cast, and you can email me at theexpatcast at gmail.com. Thanks as always goes to Amy Lungy Art for the logo and to Side Hug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. We'll be back on your feeds on Thursday, but actually we'll be back even sooner because I'm releasing a bonus episode on the 4th of July. 
Until then, have a wonderful rest of your week and a wonderful weekend. Bis dann. Tschüss.